Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey family, I am back. Welcome to a long-awaited episode 34 of Humanized. Uh, Welcome to those who have never heard of me before and welcome back to our day ones. There have been so many moments that I unexpectedly became viral um, in the last uh, six months since I lasted an episode of Humanized. And so I thought it just made sense to give a quick recap of what the show is, who I am, and so that you can remember why you're even here. My name is Blue Tulusma. I'm a writer, um, a producer, an emotional intelligence coach, and a clairsentient. That's a fancy word for a little bit psychic. And I have the show called Humanized that I uh, conceptualized back in 2019. Uh, shout out to my former uh, co-host from another show, Obi Arisuku. We were sitting around and he was like, Blue, you need to do your, your own show. Because I had moved to LA to be a talk show host. I got booked to do a talk show. It was supposed to be like the black millennial version of The View. I was supposed to be first chair as the whoopee. Um, and no, it's not because of the hair. But uh, that show was supposed to be my big break. And I moved out here, spent two months in, pre- in pre-production. Um, our last guest during pre-production before the studio told us that we were going to get picked up for the summer was ironically Derek Jackson, who we now know has been disgraced left and right on the Internet. So I kind of wish that tape had come out. And right when I thought I was going to become a star, um, something happened backstage with production and the whole show came to a grinding halt and a court case ensued. So um, I learned very quickly that the same L.A. that recruited me to drop everything on the East Coast and move here with five days notice to be a star, only to then yank it from me two months later for something I had nothing to do with, that same L.A. um, made me realize that sometimes disappointments or what seem like setbacks are really layups, right? Me not being on that show was a great thing because the show was what it took to lure me to move to Los Angeles. Um, and then losing the show is what lured me to do what I always wanted to do anyways. And so sometimes, and this is not like a, a conditional thing, a lot of times, if not most times, when you lose something, it's usually kind of creating space for something better. At least that's been my lived experience. And so as an emotional intelligence coach, if you've never heard the show before, if you saw me on uh, another show where I went viral, saw a post that I did that went viral and you're wondering who I am I'm basically someone who the day that me and Obi was sitting in my living room talking about conceptualizing this podcast he said blue why do you want to do 
human the show it didn't have a name yet and I said well I just want to humanize people I feel like celebrities people with big personalities like me um taboo topics we dehumanize things so quickly as a way to distance ourselves from their the shared humanity and everything and I just want to do a show where whether I agree with you or not your humanity is never up for grabs and that's when Obi looked at me and said then just call it humanized like if that's your your aim, call the show that so people kind of understand that's the lens you're coming from. So the show has been a labor of love, to put it uh, nicely. I originally wanted to only do it because I wanted to have an excuse to have great conversations with my friends on camera. I was having all these amazing conversations at dinner parties and I was like, somebody needs to see this. So the show was only supposed to be whenever a cool friend was in town or I thought of a hot topic, we would sit down intermittently and just talk about about it. What I did not realize um, is that that concept was a little bit too small. I think sometimes we have a, a tendency to dream smaller because we're scared of committing to a bigger dream. And my audience quickly revealed to me that they wanted me to put out more episodes. So instead of doing it every once in a while, I started doing it like bi-weekly. And that took off. But here's the thing that nobody wants to tell you when they're trying to look important on camera. Production is expensive. And I had a lot of bills and a lot of family that I needed to help out. And the idea of doing the show and using the money to help myself be on camera more, which I didn't really need, versus helping out my family. I chose my family, obviously. And also Hollywood Unlocked, the podcast that many of you know me from. Hollywood Unlocked, after like, what, seven, eight years, was was clo was ending. We had our last Hollywood Unlocked in mid-2022, and when Jason Lee told me he was burnt out, I was like, this is great. We'll all take a couple of weeks off and then come back refreshed in the fall. Well, us coming back in the fall turned into the show being canceled entirely and all of us taking six months off. And so I talked to Jason maybe mm, two days ago, and we had a conversation, and I was like, Jason, I actually think the six months that we unexpectedly took off was a good thing. We would have never taken it off on purpose. There was no way in hell I would have said in June, I do not want to podcast for six months. But the fact that life conspired to make that happen has been amazing because in that time, I've had an opportunity to kind of like focus on my, my personal life and fall in love again with podcasting as something I get to do, not something I have to do. Um, which brings me to the topic of this inaugural episode. Um, if I haven't said en enough, my name is Blutuluzma. Hello. Um, I know that because this is the first episode of, of 2023, everyone who's watching this is going to be expecting this to be all centered around New Year's resolutions and the idea of new me, new, uh, new who this, right? I kind of balk at the idea of a new you. I think instead of trying to have a new version of yourself, what's wrong with being the next evolution of who you already are? Because if you think about it, new means never before. But there are so many things that my failures have taught me that I do want to take with me. And there's so many lessons that have seasoned me and softened me and made me more supple that the idea of the word new and unintentionally wiping all that out doesn't sit well with me. So I don't believe in new year, new me. I believe in a new year evolved me. And part of evolution means to pull a, what they call Sankofa in, in Dinkra symbols, uh, look back in order to look forward. Sometimes you have to look back at what you learned from the previous year to catapult you into being ready for what comes next. And so I was thinking in preparation of this episode, um, what did I learn from 2022, right? Like instead of saying, screw 2022, it's over, it's time for 23, 
I actually want to thank 2022 for all the lessons it taught me and to also like be grateful for those lessons and, uh, through action, through improvement. So I made a list of uh, the three things, my three biggest lessons in 2022, and I'm hoping these lessons impact the way I move um, moving forward. Lesson number one is abundant is real, but so is discomfort. And that lesson was uh, probably the most resounding mid-year because there was a point halfway through this year where I was like, wait a minute, I was a senior writer at the Grio for seven and a half years. I've been on CNN. I've been in the White House press room. Um, I've been in all these syndicated publications and X, Y, and Z. And I thought that like I was kind of in my stride with my career and suddenly all that came to an end at the end of 2021. So eight years of being press, suddenly my press pass was gone. And then um, Hollywood Unlocked, which, which had been around for a long time and which I had been a part of for two years. And we were syndicated in 73, 73 radio stations via iHeartRadio. We had a show on Fox Soul and we had a podcast that was doing well. Um, to lose Hollywood Unlocked as a gig mid-year, so suddenly something else is gone. And so all the things that externally focused career-wise were kind of my my entree into the room, they were gone. And I found myself like, okay, this is the part where I have to trust that I'm going to find something else or figure out what my next move is and that abundance is real. And so I was steeped in this knowing that like something else is going to come along. It's just a matter of me having faith while I wait for that to reveal itself. But then I was like, okay, I believe in abundance, but I'm uncomfortable. I am stressed out. Like nobody ever tells you that even when you are steeped in belief, you can still be stressed the hell out. And so I had to sit with the idea of abundance and discomfort kind of actually being strange bedfellows. Because it's almost like when you are on the proverbial cliff and you jump and you leap off. When you're midair, you have to believe in abundance to, to jump off a cliff, right? So abundance has to be prevalent. Faith has to be prevalent. But that shit is uncomfortable. Being mid-flight and just hoping that you find a soft place to land is really goddamn uncomfortable. And I think sometimes we turn into toxic positivity mantras and don't let people sit in their discomfort while also still believing in abundance. So that was probably the biggest lesson I got because when I surrendered to that, the very next week I got offered a lucrative gig that gave me the time to think about how to move forward without worrying about like paying my bills and surviving. So that's the first lesson. Um, the second lesson I learned from 2022 that's going to impact the way I move in 2023 is go where you're accepted or even celebrated, but never where you're just tolerated. I'm going to repeat that one more time for the folks in the back. Go where you are accepted and or celebrated, but never go where you're merely being tolerated. And that one was a more painful lesson to learn. It happened in my personal life. Um, like there are some friends that you love and that are grandfathered into your life and that you have an old story with them that you don't re-examine. And so if your story is with childhood best friends or your story is this is my ace or your story is, oh, she loves me. We never fight. When that story is outdated, it takes us a while sometimes to recognize that a relationship is evolving, devolving, deteriorating, whatever. And in the space between it actually changing and you realizing that it's changed, you sometimes run the risk of overestimating um, the kindness that is being directed at you. 
Like you think, oh, this is my ace. I can do X, Y, and Z because he or she loves me. And then you do something to prove that and realize, oh, snap, we're not as close as I thought. And that's uncomfortable when you think you love someone and they love you back and you recognize that you didn't read the room, that things had changed. And a lot of times when I have had clients who've come to me, for those who don't know, um, I do a lot of emotional intelligence coaching work. So if you want to book a session with me, go to bluecentricshop.com backslash um, readings. Um, and, and I'm intentionally making this episode feel like a new episode and not me continuing the conversation just because of how many new people I know are going to be watching this one. Um, but I do a lot of readings. And when I talk to my clients, I'm always struck by how much they don't realize that their friends don't like them as much as they used to. It'll always be a conversation of this is my best friend or this is my my sister and I love her X, Y, and Z. And then they'll tell me 10 stories from recent times that don't show any of that. And I call that being haunted by the past tense, right? There are all these past tense stories that made sense and that were true past tense that we bring into present tense um, calculations and present tense interactions. And the gap between the past tense and the present tense, that is where discomfort and heartache tends to live. And so when it, somebody reveals to you that they don't love you or rock with you as hard as you thought you did, they did, that is tolerance. That means they are tolerating you out of habit. They're not accepting you which means having open arms and they're not celebrating you which means you know being excited and fully leaning in they're merely tolerating you because out of respect for the time that you they've invested in you or because they're just used to you and they're doing it out of habit so I several times this year had to discern between am I being accepted celebrated or merely tolerated and what I quickly realized is even in moments when I deeply love somebody, when tolerance was the only thing I was getting from them energetically, I had to leave. I find being tolerated so insulting because tolerance is not acceptance. Tolerance means I think lesser of you for whatever reason, or I do not see value in your opinion or your viewpoints, but I'm going to tolerate you and let you be in the same room with me. There's something so inherently condescending on, in that, whether it's intentional or not, that I had to pivot away from people who are merely tolerating me. Um, and then I, the funny thing is, not to be a cliche, but when I got rid of those people or pulled away from those people, suddenly I started making room for people who did celebrate me. People who were really verbose about letting me know how much I was appreciated and the value that they saw in my friendship. So I always think that when you take that leap, um, you're creating space. And so the second biggest lesson was to create space by not being anywhere where I'm not being loved on properly. And the third and final lesson um, that I learned from this year was probably the, the most striking to my ego. And that lesson is consistency will always beat talent alone. You guys know that, uh, you know, I'm in LA and everybody in LA has a dream. They have a, a show they want to sell or a movie they want to be in or a book they want to write or a project they want to green light. LA is where the dreamers come to like make those dreams come true. And there have been so many times where I think um, my more academic New, New England upbringing where talent is like something people, people pontificate about talent in New England in a way that in LA actions speak louder than words, right? So I'm so used to feeling like the smart kid in class that I underestimate that it doesn't matter how smart you are in Los Angeles, in this industry, the person who outworks you will always win the prize. 
Like talent alone does not mean anything. I remember a long time ago when JLo first came out. No shade to her. So if you're a JLo fan, please do not DM me. Um, but I remember when JLo first came out, my friend and I used to make fun of her because she would say stuff like, oh, my God, the first time I ever went to a studio was um, when I was recording my first album. Or, oh, my God, the first concert I ever performed that was at Madison Square Garden. Like, all her firsts were things that quickly, like, very clearly pointed towards privilege that was atypical and maybe not even earned. And so we used to joke that, like, everything that she did as her first time was something that was way, way more prestigious than what she had earned. Like, wow, it must be nice to be her, right? And I used to wonder, like, why is she doing so well? Why is this person with great dancing talent but mid-level singing talent and, you know, intermittent acting talent because Selena was a masterpiece. I don't care what anybody says. Um, why is someone who is kind of mid, but in, you know, a pretty girl in a place full of other pretty girls, why is she getting all these roles? Why is she getting all these opportunities? Why is she getting put on like this? There are girls who are more talented and just as beautiful as her who are a dime a dozen. And then several years into her career, I stopped saying that. Because as somebody who loves my craft and who likes to keep my finger on the pulse, after a few years, I started seeing articles, interviews, and even like sit downs with her castmates where folks would say, if call time is at 6 a.m., J-Lo will be there at 4.30. She'll be the first person there before makeup and she'll be the last person to leave. And even when we're not on set, if she's doing something that requires her to physically know something that she's not naturally good at, she'll hire a coach to come to her house on the weekends on her day off. And I was like, oh, snap. J-Lo might not be the most talented person on the planet. And again, no shade, no tea, because she's still an icon, no matter how you slice it. She's not the most talented girl in the room, but she was outworking everybody. Her consistency is why she was able to do things that people who were arguably more talented hadn't been able to do. Now, this is not to blame and say that the, the industry is equal and that there's not colorism, sexism, xenophobia, and all types of things that, and proximity to whiteness that help people get further along regardless of consistency or talent. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying all things being considered, all things being equal, if you see someone who is consistent they will always beat someone who is talented and, and only talented. Talent alone does not mean much, right? Because what are you doing with it? A strong work ethic is really important. And so I had to have a conversation with myself where I realized I had kind of been relying on talent. Like, okay, I'm not going to do but so much research because I already know so much. I'm already talented. I'm not going to, you know, be pressed because I can wing it and still be good on camera. And I realized that, okay, that's cute that I could do that. But I know folks who are not as talented as me are like uh, objectively speaking, or who have to work harder to memorize those facts that I could spit off at the top of my head, but they were getting further than me because they were outworking me. And that is not to diminish them, that's to chin check myself like, what is your excuse? If those things that that person has to work like an hour for, you can do in 10 minutes, why are they 10 times further than you? And that's not to compare, it's to be inspired and incited, to be like, wow, let me call myself out on my own bullshit. So, um, this kind of brings me that, that third lesson that consistency will always be talent alone. It kind of brings me to what I want my word to be for the year. I have this thing I do where I tend to pick a word for the year and ask my friends or encourage my friends 
to pick a word for the year because that ends up being the North Star. Like if when you get confused or upset, you can think of this word and be like, "Is I'm, I'm doing aligned with the word of the year. And I've always had these words like bliss or or patience or whatever um, that were kind of abstract, but, you know, pretty general and clear. Um, but this year I was like, no blue, I need to have a word of the year that keeps me like has a visceral reaction to it. A word that I feel strongly about good or bad, that's going to get me off my ass and remind me to be consistent and not just rely on talent. And the words, two words came to mind and they came to mind as a couplet. So imagine an ampersand in between them. And the two words were discipline and discernment discipline and discernment the discipline to be consistent and do things that I need to do even when I don't feel like doing them that's what discipline is right because a lot of creatives myself included we rely on inspiration like oh you know I'm an artist I need to feel it that's cool to a certain degree but even on days you don't feel it the artists that go from being just good artists to actually being prolific are the ones who are disciplined and also the word discernment discernment to know when to cut myself some slack Versus when to kick myself in the ass and also when to share, if at all, and who to share with. I think for me, um, I've, I've mentioned this before as somebody who's neurodivergent, I tend to communicate very clearly and innocently and bluntly at times. And that leads to oversharing. And I recognize that there are some things that I have shared with people that probably weren't safe with them. Things that in that moment where my heart was being pure, I was probably better off keeping it to myself. And so um, I'm going to make sure that I have discipline and discernment this year. So I know what to do and how to do it even when I don't want to do it because it feeds into my larger goals. Perfect example, writing my book, because writing a book is the most isolating thing in the, in the, in the planet. If you say you're going to spend a year writing a book, which I have, that means people are not going to see you as much. And I think... The last quarter of last year, I struggled with that because the holidays are a very social time. And so trying to find a time to write my book um, alone, let alone trying to find time to write my book during time that I want to spend with family and friends celebrating the holidays, it was tough for me. So I think I'm going to kick off this year with the discipline to know like, okay, I have to discern, is it worth me going to this event instead of spending four hours tonight working on my, my latest chapter or rewrite? Or is it worth me actually saying, no, the book can wait because this event is an important memory that I want to make with my friends. Like there's a balancing act that comes from having discipline and discernment that I'm learning the dance. I'm learning the choreography as we speak. We're only about a week into the new year. So cut myself some slack. And also too, um, another thing that I recognize this year, in addition to this, um, discipline and discernment is that like, it's go time. I feel like there have been so many things that have kind of wafted into my world that have let me know that I got next, that my, my time is coming. And I realized that I have a lot, a lot of friends who are also in that same position. Um, Issa Rae once had this really amazing quote where she said, um, instead of trying to find somebody to level up with, why not build laterally with the people that you already love and trust? And that really like struck me because it was like almost like a tribe mindset of like, you know what, like if I eat, my tribe gets to eat too. So I'm very excited this year to see what tribe reveals itself, um, who comes into my life. I actually don't have to worry about who's going to go out of my life because I'm going to be honest with you, my circle is so lean right now that... Um, yeah, I'm not worried about there being excess. There's not a lot of people in my life right now, aside from folks that I really, really, really rock with, which 
And this is something I'm going to talk about in a later episode when we have guests. Uh, by the way, guys, this is my first time having an episode of Humanized by myself. So thank you if you've even watched this far. Um, but we have several guests that we've already lined up for this upcoming season. And one of them is a homegirl who I went on vacation with for New Year's. And what's interesting, and I'll wait until she comes on the show to talk about it, but what's interesting about uh, that vacation that I just came out of is it's the first time in a long time where I've gone on vacation with friends and came home feeling closer to them. You know the old adage that every time girls go hang out in Miami, they all stop being friends before they get home. Like, Vacation tends to be a very make it or break it time to spend with friends, particularly newer friends that you're still trying to get to know. And so I went on this vacation with friends that I had only known for six months. And it's funny that it actually brought us closer, which is making me feel like my discernment around how to make friends and who to make friends with and who to trust and who to pull away from, I feel like my discernment has been fine-tuned. So I shared this uh, resolution with you guys because I feel like I'm not the only one who needs to have discipline and discernment coming up this year. And I also feel like I need to have some accountability partners. So if you see me um, doing something on these internet streets that does not have discipline or discernment, then please feel free to let me know. Um, to those who want to come back to see what our guests are going to be, we're going to have folks from uh, the industry. We're going to have mental health advocates this year. Um, now that I have my neurodivergence uh, diagnosis, I want to have some neurodivergent people who have either maybe like autism or ADHD or dyslexia or anything like that to come on the show and talk about what it's like to be a high-functioning neurodivergent person because I think that that demographic there's a lot of you out there who are watching this show who are neurodivergent who don't know it um and i and i think this year we're going to work really hard to helping people come to the conclusions and the the freedom that i got when i got my own diagnosis what else are we going to cover um i am excited about some news that i can't share yet but uh there's something on my bucket list that i will be doing very shortly with some friends who i adore uh, some of you can probably guess who they are so that's going to be fun um the book I'm going to be working really hard on the book. So the book and the podcast are probably going to be the two most consistent ways to keep, keep in contact with me. If my friends and family are watching, because my mom just recently found my podcast and like just puts it on randomly now, apparently. She told me this over Christmas. I was very uncomfortable. Hi, mom. Um, so if you guys want to keep in touch with me, uh, the podcast is probably going to be a, a, a way to keep in touch because I'm not going to be taking as many phone calls this year. But I will be... Um, I'm finally throwing a housewarming. You guys are going to find this funny. I've lived in LA for three years and I'm so funny about who's in my home. I've never thrown a housewarming. So better late than never. <laughs> and there's going to be some content that we're going to be doing also on the East Coast. I've recently fallen back in love with New York. Um, I lived in New York for six years a long time ago and swore I would never go back because New York is like being in an abusive relationship. It, it, it beats your ass every day, but then makes you wear a shirt that says, I love you. Um, it was a very hard narc life for me out there. And I have some PTSD around my New York years that I've just recently let go of. So now that I've gone to New York and had a great time, shout out to Bridget and Mandy and my, my friends who live out there. Um, I'm going to be going back more. So there will be some content, hopefully based on the East coast that all the East coast folks who I love, 
um, can actually have a chance to like come and kiki with us on the couch. And if there's anything else I want to say, because this whole episode is meant to be a, hey, I'm back, blowing off the cobwebs kind of thing. Um, oh, there's one guest. I'm going to shout her out right now before I get off. Uh, my homegirl, Simone, she's amazing. She was on tour with Doja Cat last year, so I barely saw her. And she literally moved her schedule around just so she could do an episode of Humanize with us. It was supposed to be the last episode of the summer and somehow it got lost. The episode is gone. Um, and I was devastated that she did not come on here. But I also think that sometimes things happen for a reason. So we were just talking the other day, like this morning or yesterday. And she was like, I wonder how much I've changed since six months ago. Because being on, let me tell you something, being on tour with Doja Cat sounds nice. That is exhausting. If anybody who's ever worked in production, you can imagine how exhausting it is to be on tour in different countries with the, one of the biggest stars on the planet while she's being uh, dragged by random people in Argentina on Twitter and bringing back the Mexican pizza to Taco Bell. Like, Doja had a wild year. So I think Simone being there for that year, when she came on to do the show, God bless her, she was still exhausted and burnt out. And so now that it's been six months and that she has a new gig working for another big deal, I'll let her reveal that um, when she comes back on, I want her to come on and do a clear-headed Wusa, um, more introspective and less reactionary interview. So, Simone, if you're watching this, I'm saying it publicly. We are sorry that your episode um, got lost, the studio moved, but when you come back, we're going to more than make up for it. And I also have some friends who um, are doing things that I want to do when I grow up who I'm going to come on the show because I want to, the whole point of the show is to humanize big people and big topics and make you realize that we're all just human beings going through human shit. And so I have met some friends who are doing amazing things in their careers who have deeply inspired me. And as they are inspiring me and where I'm going in my trajectory of my career, I thought it would be cool to have them come on and kind of put a word or a bug in your ear as well so that you feel just as inspired as I do. Uh, the whole intention of the show is not me answering questions. It's me asking questions and having the audience learn. Also, um, I want you guys to know that there is a Patreon now. We are going to be creating content. I have a new producer, shout out to her, who has um, really encouraged me to start doing things behind the paywall, things that are more in depth for those of you guys who actually want to do a deep dive and don't just want an hour-long episode. So um, if you want to join my Patreon, please go to patreon.com backslash bluecentric and bluecentric is spelled B-L-U-E-C-E-N-T-R-I-C. And patreon.com back, backslash bluecentric is the Patreon page that I used to use to do record, to update recordings of my workshops for my intel, emotional intelligence workshop goers. However, I think it's a missed opportunity not to also use that Patreon to have extra content for people who like listening to the show. And speaking of which, I forgot to do this at the top because it's raining in LA um, and I really can't wait to get back to bed. But there is a reason why I'm coming back after my six months hiatus. It's not that I miss podcasting. It's because hundreds of you, I did not know this until recently, hundreds of people were sending me DMs to my Blue Centric and Blue Toulouse, my backup page. I had no idea because Instagram tends to cut up your, your DMs as people you know, people you're really cool with, and then complete strangers. I don't ever ch check the complete strangers uh, pile. I'm working on that. So I had no idea that there were all these messages of people saying, where's the podcast? We miss you. Why haven't you come back? Or, hey, I don't know who you are, but I recently saw you on TikTok on some viral clip and want to know where I can find more of your stuff. Like, 
you guys, it was actually stunning. And I've mentioned this before on my Instagram lives. I think I have a tendency to minimize the impact of the conversations that we've had on the shows. And I think it took me going on other people's podcasts and, go, and going viral with them or um, going on panels and seeing the reaction or writing an op-ed and seeing the comment section. I think it took all these little things for me to realize how hungry the audience is for good in-depth conversation. Social media tends to convince us that everybody wants everything in short form. But I think podcasts are a rare opportunity where the audiences are actually trained to be patient and do deep dives. And I think I might have underestimated that last year. I underestimated that, that the attention span that's supposed to be as short as a fruit fly is actually much longer when it's a podcast platform because think about how you listen to podcasts. You listen to a podcast when you're on a long drive. You listen to a podcast while you're cooking a long recipe, when you're in the shower, getting your nails done, uh, maybe stuck in traffic, traveling. Podcasts tend to be an ongoing conversation that we're having with friends in our heads. And there's an intimacy and a power in that um, that is a lot more important than I previously gave credit to. So the, the, the intention of this whole episode is to make a commitment to my audience that I'm going to be more consistent about my output, be more consistent about the ongoing conversations that I've wet your palates, your palates with previously. I'm going to do more deep dives. And also, I'm going to be really excited to have, um, we always have guests. This is, like I said, said earlier, this is the first episode of Humanize where I'm just humanizing the show. Um, we always have a guest, but rather than just have guests that are interesting to talk to, I also am going to start doing something called Play Cousins, where we're going to have some guests that are reoccurring um, uh, people who come and sit with me on the couch because I want us to have ongoing conversations about life, love, mental health, your career, your purpose, motherhood, marriage, not the same thing, um, expectations, because a lot of people are saying that, you know, 30s are, are your new 20s and 40s are your new 30s, but that also means that we're all stunted on hitting those milestones that we thought we'd hit by now, right? I now have no friends who are having their first babies in their 40s, who are getting married in their late 30s and, and mid 40s, who um, are not even sure of their purpose till their 50s. Like, part of us feeling younger for longer means there's also a developmental delay that happens. And how do we reconcile that? How do you reconcile the things that you thought you would have done by the time you were 25, you're still thinking about at 38 and they haven't been done yet? Um, I also want to have some of my married friends on because I feel like a lot of times on the show, I mostly had single and dating people. I want to start talking to friends who are in healthy relationships, maybe not so healthy relationships, about what it really means to be in relation with somebody else for the long term. Because so many of, of y'all have situationships and all types of stuff, or co it's complicated or off and on relationships. I want to start talking about what does it mean when you actually stay? Like, how do you work through that? Because I think the reason why our grandparents stay together longer despite having a lot less emotional intelligence than we currently do is because they had examples of longevity to be inspired from and learn from. And so if I have any friends who I think are actually in decent relationships, like plot twist that actually exists, I want them to come on the show too and maybe give some of you some hope. So uh, the goals are lofty for this upcoming season of Humanized. If you've listened for this long, God bless you. Um, cause that means that you are really hungry for this content. And also too, guys, I want you guys to start letting me know what kind of topics you want. So I'm going to create space, maybe an account of some sort where you guys can send in questions and things that we can answer on air because, um, I was waiting till the very end of the episode to say this. 
drum roll, please. We are coming back weekly. I've never done this before, um, but we're going to be coming back weekly. And I'm committing to having weekly episodes of the show until the end of June. So that's six full, full months of weekly episodes. And then come June, I'll figure out if I want to take a summer hiatus or I just want to keep going. All right. All right. If you listen for this long, um, please follow me at Blue Centric on Instagram. Back at page at Blue Toulousma. Patreon page is patreon.com backslash Blue Toulousma. No, Blue Centric. Patreon.com backslash Blue Centric. And if you want to sign up for a consultation or my emotional intelligence class, my emotional intelligence classes are available at OTS23.eventbrite.com. That's OTS, that stands for Own Thy Shift, 23 at eventbrite.com. And my consultations are bluecentricshop.com backslash readings. Now that you know how to keep in touch with me, I need you to be patient because starting next week, we're going to go back to having guests and having lots of hot topics and new segments that we've come up with. I cannot wait for you guys to see everything that's in store. And we're in a new studio. Shout out to the new studio. Um, 2023 is the year that you choose to make it. And last but definitely not least, there's a video that's going viral right now that says it's wild that we think about doing New Year resolutions during the dead of winter when things are supposed to be resting. And so instead of trying to shove a bunch of new things down your throat during a time of hibernation, how about you just figure out what to let go of in the new year? And in the spring, when things actually bloom, that's when you add something new. I saw that video. It was all of my TikTok. It was all of my Instagram. And I could not agree more. I very much, it's the first week of the year. And I've been trying so hard to conceptualize all these new things to do. But all my body wants to do is rest. And that is honorable and makes sense to me. My body is saying it's the first week of January. It does not want to run to the gym to argue with a bunch of new people who just signed up last week. It wants to rest. It wants to sleep. It wants to take a nap on this beautiful and rare rainy day in Southern California. And I want to figure out what to let go of so that by the spring, I'm rejuvenated enough to have a list of what to add on. So that's how I'm approaching this this year. Um, and if that speaks to you, consider doing that instead, right? If something repeatedly doesn't work, that's usually a sign of time to pivot. And part of discipline and discernment is knowing when to pivot. On that note, I'm going to pivot out of here. Um, if you want to see uh, our Patreon episode for this week, I'm going to go over a list of guided uh, meditations and questions to ask yourself so that you have the best New Year's commitments, resolutions, whatever you want to call them. It's a list of questions that I created for a group of friends at a recent party that I went to. They really enjoyed it, so I thought I would share it with you. So if you want to see the after show, which we're calling The Ride Home, isn't that a cute name? We call it The Ride Home because Human Nights was like a party, and the best part of a party for me is The Ride Home, where you get to say all the stuff that you can't say in front of people. So this Ride Home segment that we're going to be doing for this episode is going to be how to figure out how to have New Year's resolutions that you actually stick to. So if you want to join us for that, go to patreon.com slash bluecentric. For everybody else, I will see you next week. Love y'all. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Ravelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electric acid. 
Welcome to Sarah Talk Solutions. Ladies and gentlemen, you've tuned into a bit of a different type of show. I'm Sarah B and I'm your host. You can find me on my IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. I talk about amazing, relevant conversations and topics and what functions that goes on in this magical, wonderful, wonderful city of the City of Angels. My IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. Electric acid. Electric acid.